<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Cusier, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. Welcome to the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast. <laughs> I like it spooky. Hey everybody, welcome to the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. I'm Clint, and I've got a question for you guys. Do you guys want to know what the question is? Sure. Yes. Is the glass half full, or is the glass half empty? Boy, that's pretty pretty vague. Depends on what we're talking about. Uh, it's a simple one or the other. Is the glass half full, or is it half empty? Today it's half empty, because it's kind of late in the day. I've been up a long time. Half empty. All right. Well, this is what I'm going to go with it. I'm really sad because as of this recording right now, it's the day after Halloween and we've got a really long freaking time to go until the next Halloween. And so I'm sad. Oh, can it just have something in it? I can drink like 80s trash horror movies and I can just continue to drink it because it doesn't matter what day it is. Well, that's the beauty of our genre is technically every day is Halloween. But you got to admit, it's Halloween night is that one special time of year where everything is a little more magical. Yep. I know we've already taken down our stuff. November 1st. Finley was crying when I got home because Tiffany was taking down the Halloween stuff. She's like throwing a fit on the floor. I was like, it's fine. We'll watch Thanksgiving or Halloween too. <laughs> that takes place on November 1st, right? You guys are nuts. You already took your stuff down. I mean, I turned the lights off at about two o'clock this afternoon and brought in the electrical stuff, but the pumpkins are still out there. Yeah. Wow. Well, our pumpkins are still out. Surprisingly, not one squirrel ate our pumpkins. Everybody we know, the squirrels like demolish their pumpkins. I don't know if it's because we live on the bad side of town. The squirrels are like, no, we're not messing with these people's pumpkins. They, they caught the news flash. They heard the memo. They're like, stay the hell away from that side of town. Hey, uh, speaking of news, do we have anything uh, to talk about in the news today? Is there anything going on? Yeah, I've got something to talk about. I'm kind of excited about this. Going back to the glass half full, glass half empty, I don't know whether to believe this or not. I'm going to say glass half empty for this also, but a Halloween series is in development for Peacock. Just some rumors I've heard. I, I'm reading an article about it. It's far too early to talk to know what's going to go into it. But then I've also heard some stuff where people are saying it's not real. So I figured we'd talk about it early just in case, because I'm super excited. I hope it is real. I'm so ready for it if it is. A weekly Halloween show, like year round, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, that won't happen, but I can't imagine what they would cover in a weekly Halloween show unless it was something like 
what Justin Beam was talking about that he had been pushing for for years, prequel story with Dr. Loomis leading up to Michael. Or, you know, I don't know, maybe an exploration of Michael's childhood. We've talked about that before, how we haven't seen it, which I think will kind of take away from the character because then you'll have, again, some sympathy or some relatability to Michael. Maybe it'll just be like the four years he spent in the sewer from Halloween Kills to Halloween Ends. I mean, (laughs) I would pay to see that just so I can have some you know questions answered. Well, we got kind of a peek into what they could do with Haddonfield. I mean, we got Corey's story. We could get like a Tales of Haddonfield. Maybe some of the other stuff that's gone on through the history of Haddonfield um, that doesn't have to do with Michael Myers. And more, maybe more into like Silver Shamrock stuff, Clint. Some of the stuff that's gone on in the factory, you know, mysterious deaths, kids missing or stuff like that. If the, if they do a Tales of Haddonfield, and especially if they call it Tales of Haddonfield, I better get 10% because I haven't heard anything remotely close to that until I uttered it on the last episode where we covered Halloween ends. They're listening to us. They're listening closely. I'll take whatever we can get. It worked with The Exorcist. It's working with Chucky. So, I mean, there have been successful shows. And even if they are just short run things like 10 episodes a year. Well, that's a a great segue into my news because there's some more TV stuff going on. Listen for the click as I go to read the article and click. All right, from bloodydisgusting.com. Crystal Lake, the Friday the 13th prequel series coming soon from Brian Fuller and Peacock. It has now been 13 years since the release of the last Friday the 13th movie, and the franchise has been trapped, obviously, as we all know, in a a legal battle uh, ever since. But Variety is reporting that the hugely surprisingly announcement today that Peacock has ordered up Crystal Lake, a Friday the 13th prequel series from Brian Fuller, who was behind Hannibal. The craziest part about this news is that A24 will serve as the studio behind the series. Um, You know, A24 is typically known, uh, as Brian has said before, for Elevated Horror and Crystal Lake is everything. Friday the 13th is everything (laughs) but Elevated Horror, so... This will be interesting to see how this plays out. I'm curious to see that too. When I first heard the A24, I thought it was a movie at first and I'm like, oh shit, what are they going to do? And now I see it's uh, just a series, which I'm excited for, not just a series. Let's see what they'll do. Maybe they'll change their ways and do something a little different than we're used to. Well, and for anybody who's just hearing us, hearing this news, just hearing us talking about it, they haven't you know read any articles or whatever. Uh, Sean Cunningham is not attached to this uh, project. Victor Miller is, who you know penned the original film and who was in the the legal battle with Sean Cunningham over the original uh, franchise. And from that, he won the rights, which I can't remember. I think it was just here in the states won the rights to the original screenplay. So, I mean, this this is perfect for him to be involved with then because Sean Cunningham got the rights to Adult Jason, and this will be a prequel pre-Adult Jason. But I, I'm curious, it's kind of murky, I guess, if Jason will still be in it or not. And this is also interesting because I, I've talked a couple times where there's been a project kind of brewing called Pamela, which is a prequel story, and it kind of dealt with, it looked like it was going to deal with her... Um, mental insecurities and mental issues leading up to being a single mother in the 30s. Is that when Jason? No, the 50s when Jason was born. I don't know. I'm interested to see more Friday. Hopefully this is a springboard to uh, to some more feature films, you know? When you both say Peacock, I'm like, oh, mother. Peacock just seems like they're taking stuff and throwing it at the wall right now and seeing what sticks, which is fine. But a lot of times they don't give stuff enough time to like see if it sticks. It does bad and they just cut it done after the first season. They don't let it get any traction. And I don't know if we've talked about it, but 
it seems like these franchises need that little bit of mainstream enough that people outside of horror aren't watching them. I don't think I know one person that watches The Walking Dead, or maybe I know a couple. I know more people that watch The Walking Dead that aren't horror movie fans than are. American Horror Story, the same thing. I feel like I know more people that watch that that aren't horror fans than are horror fans. So I'm hoping that the whatever they call the Crystal Lake thing and a Halloween thing get enough people mainstream to watch it that Peacock sticks with it. That's my big, big concern that it'll last six episodes and then you'll never hear from it again. And then it may scare some people away from like, do we really want to do something with Friday 13th? Look what happened to it on Peacock. It didn't do well. That's my concern. Have you checked out, kind of segueing away from this stuff, have you checked out the uh, the new season of American Horror Story yet? No. I, I watched, a, a, I don't know, like three quarters of an episode, so obviously it's not a, enough to really comment. But from what I saw, it's almost more American crime story. And I just thought it was weird, you know, American Horror Stories carved out a niche for themselves and then they came out with they, then they came out with american horse stories two seasons of that and that seemed to be more kind of twilight zone sort of you know fantasy horror and then they just went the opposite with this new season and, and went to like more of a crime story but I, I gotta give it more of a chance to see but yeah it's still early in the season let's see what happens but you are right it's all just crime right now nothing supernatural nothing strange other than just a maniac or multiple. Speaking of supernatural, you got something kind of spooky in the news, don't you, Brian? R.L. Stein, new movie, Zombie Town. It's got a poster, and on the poster, it shows that it's starring Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. So you know R.L. Stein. You know he's. Uh, I think Netflix is the Fear Streets based on his books. Um, And he's always been an important voice in the world of horror and young kids and reading and being that gateway that kids get coming into more adult horror. So he's always been important to feed the up and coming horror fans. Um, But it looks like maybe December based on a 2012 book by the same name. It's called Zombie Town. So it looks like uh, hitting theaters in December. Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase are in it. I don't know the story of it. I kind of want to go into it blind and just watch it, see what happens, enjoy it. I mean, for me, whenever there's something that's, you know, geared towards more, you know, younger kids or maybe 10 or 12 year olds, it's also, it's always a nice gateway to bring them along and keep them interested in horror stuff. Man, I feel bad for that director that has to (laughs) deal with those two characters. Dan Aykroyd's a strange duck and Chevy Chase's. <laughs> that's that's an understatement saying that. Might as well throw in Gary Busey while we're at it here and <laughs> see what happens. Well, I was going to say che- Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. I mean, hey, you know, they have their contributions in horror. I'm sure you guys have seen the movie Nothing But Trouble. Not to mention the land shark from the original Saturday Night Live. That's scary shit. <laughs> And the director is the guy that did the nut job, so an animated movie. I can't remember if I've seen that or not. Nothing but trouble. I just picked up for fifty cents on VHS. I was like, I can't pass that up for fifty cents. Fifty cents. Not at all. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll buy it. What the hell? <laughs> I saw that in the theater. Oh man, I can't. Even, I saw it probably on late night TV sometime and was like, what in the hell is this? I uh, I paid way more than 50 cents to see it, even way back then when it came out. Probably like I just paid way too much for a bunch of stuff that I bought that I probably shouldn't have. So I've got a list, a very long list. I'm back. Jason, <laughs> tell me what the hell's going on with my money because I lost control of it.
I didn't. I I just bought a couple things, and I'm excited to hear what you got, though. But, you know, I'll start here. Good buddy Jeff um, or messaged me one day asking me if I wanted some, um, the Halloween, oh, a whole list there. About the size of a washboard. He's showing us a list of everything. I got a message seeing if I wanted um, the Halloween ends posters. Got them for pretty good deal. So uh, I picked up the one with the mask on it, the 27 by 40 movie theater one. And then the also got the other one that came out with him and Lori Strode on it. So going back to some of my problems, I don't know where I'm going to put this stuff. I got some more posters that I will probably frame up and lean them against the wall somewhere until I have more room or kind of shuffle them out. I don't know. Some Halloween posters. I couldn't turn them down. That was my big purchase. But before Clint segued out of the news super quick, I'm, since I'm going to segue back in here with what I'm going to be spending money on very soon and some more news, Stop the Killer Games is coming out with a Halloween 2 The Game. So they work with Fright Rags. They've put out a couple board games so far. Um, are they out yet or they're coming out? The My Bloody Valentine... The Silent Night, Deadly Night one is out. My Bloody Valentine's, um, all it will be coming out. Um, I should have it on or before uh, Valentine's Day 2023, so here in a few months. And then, yeah, this Halloween, the Halloween 2 one that you're talking about isn't even in production yet. It's not, I don't even think it's like officially announced. I think they're just creating the buzz for it. They said they can finally talk about it. it just says uh, coming in 2023, kind of vague. But the box art looks really cool. Cover like one of the t-shirts from Fright Rags from the Halloween 2 and... This will be one I'll definitely follow my buddy Clinton, buy two of them, keep one of them nice, play with one. Start saving your money now because what Stop the Killer does, at least with my experience with them with the My Bloody Valentine, um, and it seems to be their MO, is as the as it goes on, they re oh look, as an add-on for twelve bucks, you can get this. As an add-on for fifty-nine bucks, you can get this. And the stuff they come out with is phenomenal. It's awesome. And you just look at it and you're like, I have to have it. I have to have it. <laughs> you know, I mean I got a novel and an autograph poster and extra game pieces, extra artwork. Yeah, it was just Hold on to your wallet, buddy boy. <laughs> I'll keep an eye out for it. I'm, of course, super excited for that one. That's all I got. That's all I picked up. A couple posters and getting my wallet ready for the future. What about you guys? What'd y'all pick up? So one of the first things I picked up, and I know you guys can't see this, just an old-fashioned framed picture. It says Black Cat Witches Brew and this guy here in Galesburg where I live. Um, Jimbo Designs takes these old frames, puts them together, paints them, and then puts a cool artwork in them so i was like 10 bucks i had to pick that up figure out where to hang it up it's got a, a cool retro halloween look to it they had another one that was like a the orange background with all the different witches and stuff like icons you know like emojis but old-fashioned looking but it had like 50 on the little frame and tiffany's like that's too busy get the black hat one it's cooler um and then i picked up these from fright rags i got joe bob unpunched as jason would say <laughs> so i got joe bob and darcy Darcy's got her little mailbag and Ernie and Joe Bob has some drive-in speakers. 20 bucks a piece. I don't know what the one was at Chicago at Flashback. It was like 80 bucks. So I was like, I'll, for 20 bucks, I'll pick them up. Oh, let's see. Where do I go now? I was in Burlington. Now I just now I just need to know for Christmas, we had talked about you know paying for you to get a Joe Bob tattoo, but it might be cheaper just to get you some clamshells for those beautiful action figures you have there. Yeah. So I was in Burlington for a Rocky Horror this past weekend and a uh, target there had the new Halloween on 4k and Halloween kills on blu-ray and they were like six bucks a piece. So I was like, well, I can't pass those up. And then I'm a vinegar syndrome 
subscriber. So I got some movies. Text Chainsaw Massacre 2. Blood Delirium. The Werewolf vs. Vampire Women. And Don't Open Till Christmas. On Don't Open Till Christmas, he's got like a mother's helper on this lady's breast. So I don't know if he's going to open that or what he plans on opening. And the artwork's just cool. I did a I did a YouTube video on these that I'll be posting up here before long so you can check them out. The The text Chainsaw Massacre is one of the, the hard covers on the outside. And then it's got the famous poster, 4K. I don't know that the movie needs to be in 4K, but what the hell? Well, it says don't open until Christmas, but let's be honest, you're never going to open it. No, no, it'll be <laughs> next Christmas. In like three years, it'll still be sealed. Yeah, he's going to wait till Christmas. It'll just be the year 2055 or something like that. <laughs> then I bought a Joe Bob book on eBay. Iron Joe Bob, it was seven bucks. So I was like, eh, I'll pick it up. I'll read it. Maybe Jack will read it. Jack likes to read, my son. Here's my other cool thing from Fright Rags. 2023 Darcy calendar with This Day in Horror by Joe Bob Briggs. And so, of course, the first thing I did was, I'm going to go to April. And I'm like, oh, April. I might just leave it on April all year round. <laughs> when Brian told me about this calendar, I said, is that a pop-up calendar? No, no. <laughs> it's just kind of cool every day. Like uh, my birthday next year is Thursday. Um, it just says 1984 Joseph Zito's Friday 13th. The final chapter opens on 1594 screen. So just every day, something different in the horror history. And it goes back. Like there was stuff in there from like 1883. I was like, what the hell? What does it say for April 27th? Samuel Bayer's remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street premieres at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood and gets panned by critics for a lifeless story that replaces Robert Englund with Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy Krueger, but ends up making $118 million worldwide. What the hell? I'm sorry I asked. What else you got? <laughs> <laughs> Last thing. I'm a TerrorVision subscriber, so I got my TerrorVision, my first box from them. Come with a t-shirt. With a monster on the front. Jason will like this. This is the mat you put like on your record player. I thought that was kind of cool. Brains and it looks like one of those things that you get. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Kind of like a, the dude from Basket Case after he fell out of the window and died. And then I got a certificate of insanity. <laughs> Did you pay for that? I could have given you one for free. Well, yeah. It came with this for Things. The movie Things. This awful shot on video VHS movie that's... I could not make it through that. I tried, and I'm just like, turn this shit off. Enamel pin. And then, I don't know how they found two vinyls worth of uh, records to put in this, but it's a double. Number one four, 115 out of 400. Subscribers get, like, special numbered, and they're different colors. And then the last thing, my Joe Bob last drive-in. I have a copy of this, but this is the variant. So I'll probably just leave this sealed. It's a green variant. Yes, I'm getting through to you people. Yes, I think that's it. There's more. There's a package over here that I know what's in it, but it's not even opened. It's more Joe Bob records, so I'll just leave it sealed for now, and maybe I'll talk about it on the next episode. Hell, I don't know. Is that it? Yeah, that I have opened. There's more sitting around? Yeah, there's another box over here that's not even opened yet. I know what's in it, but I just haven't even opened it yet because um... I need to get this other stuff put away. I'm glad that you actually had a lot to cover because it gave me time to <clears throat> go over this long list to make sure that everything was in order. So strap in. This is going to take a second. Here we go. 
All right, so um, yeah, I was recently at Scarefest in Kentucky. Uh, first time there, had a great time. Uh, lots of cool people, lots of cool guests. I got a lot of signatures while I was there. Actually, not as many as I was going to, and there's reasons. But I started it off, I kicked it off right, and I went over and met Alan Troutman, who played Tarman in Return to the Living Dead. And I got his signature. Hell of a nice guy. And um, you know, I was at his table, and um, he had some pictures of the Tar Man, and but he also had some stuff from um, Jungle Boy remake that Disney did recently, and then some stuff from Dinosaurs, which was kind of a puppeted show a little bit before my kids were little, little, but I remember it. And I said to him, I was like, "Oh, I didn't know that you did all this children's stuff." And he says, "Actually, I'm a puppeteer." He said, "So yeah, I've worked with Disney on a lot of a lot of projects." He said, "I did one freaking horror movie," <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that's what stuck to the wall." He's like, "Yeah, that's why I'm here." So. So I got Alan's signature on my Tarman figure, and then I took my Toxic Avenger figure, which uh, had already been signed by Mark Torgel, who played Melvin the Mop Boy. Uncle Lloyd Kaufman was there, and I went over and met Uncle Lloyd. I can't even begin to explain to you guys the experience. Nothing I say will make anybody understand how cool it was. You have to experience it for yourself. It was everything I thought meeting Uncle Lloyd would be. And um, at one point I was talking with one of the volunteers at Scarefest and they're like, yeah, they're like, Lloyd just got up and left. No one knows where he is. He just like took off. And I'm like, are you serious? And it kind of like the, the picture was getting painted that maybe he's turning into a senile old man. Nothing's farther from the truth. That guy is smart as a whip. He's sharp as a tack. He knows what he's doing. He was out there mingling with the crowd and trying to sell Troma Now, which is his uh, subscription channel that you can get. First month free, and then four ninety nine a month after that. He he told me to say that, so I said it. Got Lloyd's signature, and it was pretty cool. He signed it, Lloyd Kaufman, and then the quotations he wrote, Mel Brooks. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. So I actually made some pretty good friends with Michael Kenworthy throughout the weekend also. And uh, if you don't know the name, Michael Kenworthy played Jesse, the younger the young boy in Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Uh, and he wandered over to my table and I had some Return of the Living Dead 2 button packs. And uh, we just started talking and we were hanging out all week and I was over at his table. He was over at mine. I went over and gifted some some stuff to his handler because she was interested in some items that I had and was super nice. But she was like, I'm broke. And I don't know, she just hit a, hit a nerve. And so I went over there because they were cool. And I said, here, which size do you want? You know, and gave the stuff to her. So he was cool in return and then um, personalized a picture for me from Return of the Living Dead. So I was going to go meet... Lance Henriksen, and I got in line, and then they cut the line right, like two people ahead of me because he had a photo op, which whatever, you know, I'm not mad. And then I just never got a chance to go back. But Lance Henriksen, he wandered over the table too, and I was crouched down doing something, going through shirts, and all of a sudden I look up and here's Lance Henriksen, and he says, he just wandered over to the table and was like, yeah, I've done four movies this year, and I've got another one that I'm going to be doing about vampires down in Mexico here pretty soon. That's just how the conversation started. And I looked up and I, I looked at him and I kind of furrowed my brow and I says, well, damn it. I said, that's what I was going to talk to you about. I got something for you to sign. I was going to come over and ask you if you've got any projects going on. I said, you just blew it for me. Now what the hell am I supposed to do? And he kind of laughs and I kind of laugh and he wandered off. And I look at Melissa and I go, why the hell did Lance Henriksen just come over here and just abruptly start telling us about movie projects with no intro or anything? And she said, she said, he didn't see you. He was talking to me. And I was like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Okay. No, no grudge. No grudge. It's a compliment, you know. But uh, so like I say, I tried to meet him. It got cut off. I couldn't get back over there. But what was crazy about him is he was charging 60 bucks for a signature. Okay, whatever. And also 60 bucks for a, a photo. So if you wanted 
a signature and a photo with Lance Hendrickson. It was going to be $120. And I was talking to a guy in line and we were talking, he was right behind me. And I said, yeah, I usually uh, just get photos when I get autographs. That way I don't have to go pay JSA. But then when I heard that, I turned around, looked at him. I said, well, I guess I'm just getting an autograph and then going and paying JSA 10 bucks. Cause you know, that's, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. That's crazy. Well, if you wouldn't have cock blocked him, you might've gotten a better deal. Yeah, uh, he might have. That's probably why he cut the line. He was like, I was trying to move on your lady. And now I see you're in line and I'm going to stop it right when you get, you've been here for a half hour. Boom, done. See ya. Get out of here, kid. But the autograph that I was, besides Uncle Lloyd, that I was I was the happiest to get was I went over and met John Kazir, who is the voice of the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt. This guy is a, we say this all the time. This, this celebrity was cool. This guy was so awesome. John Kazir, I go up there. He signed something for me. He took a picture with me, and then he recorded what you heard at the beginning of this episode, him doing the intro for the podcast. And when it came time for him to record, I looked at him and I said, hey, I said, I've got a nice camera with, you know, external um, microphone ports and a nice shotgun mic. I forgot to bring it with me, just like I did at Halloween of Palooza. And um, I said, so I'm just going to have you record this in my phone. I'll just do a video or something if that's okay. And we'll just hope for the best audio quality because, you know, there's a lot of people there. So it's just crowd noise. And he says, have you ever used the memo app? And I says, no, I've never used my voice memo app. He goes, I use it all the time when I'm on the road. And if I get like an audition call or something, so I can do it right then and there. He's like, it's great. It'll block out all the outside noise. And this guy, he goes, can I see your phone? I go, yeah. And so he takes my phone and he's sitting there showing me how to access it, how to save it, how to send it. And I thought, this is cool as shit. This guy does not need to do all this. You know, he took the time. To, to show me how to do this. It was great. And then he even told me a story. I, I love this story. He said, yeah, he goes, uh, he was somewhere, a convention or something somewhere. And he said, there was this five-year-old kid. The five-year-old kid was like dressed up as the Crypt Keeper or something and was doing the Crypt Keeper voice the best this five-year-old kid could do. And he was within earshot. So he goes over to the kid and he goes, you know, I do a pretty good Crypt Keeper too. And the kid doesn't know who he is. And the kid says, well, let me hear it. And so he said he did his rendition of the Crypt Keeper, which as you heard at the beginning of this episode, is still spot on after all these years. And he said the kid looked at him and went, nah, uh, mine's way better than yours. <laughs> you know, again, not even knowing who he is and being the cool guy he is, he just, you're right, you're right. I should work on it. I need to work on mine. Yours is pretty good, you know. So, yeah, um, meeting him and getting his autograph was, was well worth the money. Great guy. But that is just the beginning of my list. When I got home. I found a good deal on NECA. Just came out with the Hooper action figure. Uh, they have the Arrival, you know, when he first gets into town, Hooper from Jaws. And then they have the Shark Cage Hooper. And uh, they had some for sale at Scarefest from different vendors, but they were overpriced. Or there was a couple that were decently priced, but the boxes were dinged here or dinged there, you know. And So I ordered each of those. And then uh, the 40th anniversary Creep Show action figure from NECA came out, and I ordered that. The day all this showed up, I went down to my local comic shop, Nostalgia Inc. from Jackson, Michigan. They uh, issue two of the new five-issue Creepshow comic series was out. So I grabbed issue two, and then they had a variant cover for issue two, so I grabbed that. <laughs> and then they had another variant issue for, or variant cover for issue one, so I grabbed that. And then they had another variant issue cop, or cover for issue one, and I grabbed that. Sucker. Oh, I know. The one variant that I got for issue one, it was a second printing. So I know it's not going to be worth as much, but it was there. It was, you know, four bucks or whatever. So I'm like, why the hell not? You know, I'm almost done. Almost done. And that is, I got to back up to Scarefest because I did not buy this. Ran into our friends from bootleg as fuck toys. 
They're a vendor. They had a, I actually met them. Nice people. I met them at Midwest Monster Fest the year I met you guys, but they were something different and they've kind of evolved into what they are now. And they have so many cool bootleg action figures. I saw the Greasy Strangler one, which I still haven't seen the movie, but it was a condom wrapped around a disco ball and it said Greasy Strangler. And I said, oh, Brian would love that. And it was like 10 bucks. And Melissa's Melissa was getting something. She got a couple toys from him too. And so uh, she grabbed that for Brian. So we got that for him. They, the guys were there. I was so busy. I didn't even think about it. I should have taken it, taken it over to have him autograph it, but I didn't. Would have been so now Brian's got to go get it autographed. But. <laughs> Bullshit. You're right. Hey, careful. You don't have it yet. I'll stick it to my wall. Yeah. So last but not least, and this is thanks to Jason, is this was, uh, I think, the day before Halloween. So two days ago. I don't know. It was a few days ago. I uh, woke up and turned my phone on, and Jason sent me a message saying that Home Depot had their witch, you know, their 12-foot witch, and their, I don't know, is the werewolf. I don't know if that's 12 foot, but they're big ass werewolf. And they were like 50% off. And I've been wanting the witch, but I just didn't pull the trigger on it because she was like 300 bucks plus shipping if you wanted her shipped. Or And so for $157, I got the witch shipped for free. And she's uh, she's on her way right now. She's supposed to be to my house tomorrow. So I could have paid 80 bucks and had her before Halloween, but I thought, nah, you know, whatever. Let's enjoy the good deal and not spend the extra money and I'll put her up next year. So. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's why I am broke. Now that I'm thinking about this conversation, I'm broke. Brian's broke. Jason doesn't seem to be broke. He didn't get a whole lot. So maybe we don't even need a sponsor. He can just go ahead and, and cover our financial needs to the next episode. So you guys talk about it amongst yourselves. Uh, we can either take it to a sponsor right now or we can just get into the to the review. Up to you guys. Just Just be the sugar daddy of this episode. I want a commercial saying how wonderful I am. I love you, Poppy. <laughs> hey, Poppy. <laughs> there went all of our uh, listeners in Mexico. We alienated them. We're off the air in Mexico. Where was that? The Munsters took place. Hungry. <laughs> Hungry. They canceled us there, too. <laughs> they don't They don't listen to us in Iowa. Maybe not. Japan is about to cancel their subscription, too. <laughs> too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. So, on this episode, you heard the opening. You have to cover the classic TV series. When you get that opening from the Crypt Keeper, you have to cover it. I mean, and who didn't watch Tales from the Crypt? I mean, I watched it. Jason watched it. Clint watched it. I mean, I'm sure Melissa watched it and Tanya watched it and I know Tiffany's watched it and it goes back to being pretty much mainstream even for a horror show. I mean, it was on HBO for seven years, 93 episodes of Tales from the Crypt. So we each picked an episode. Who wants to go first? Oh, fuck it. I'll go first. I'm used to it. And I was I was kind of excited about this one. I love Tales from the Crypt. It was kind of cool for you guys to choose an episode too and... I went back and watched them. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course I remember this episode. And But it was fun just going over it again. And the episode that I chose is one that just kind of stuck with me. It scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. I was always fear of mortality. Death scared me. All this stuff. And this episode, which I had to go on to Reddit. I remember Reddit years ago. 
I shared a post on tip of my tongue trying to figure out what horror episode this was. I couldn't even remember if it was a Tales from the Crypt or anything like that. So I think five years ago, I asked a question and I described the episode and somebody told me what it was. So I was able to go back and watch it again because I didn't know if what I was watching was like a, you know, Twilight Zone, a Tales from the Crypt, Alfred Hitchcock show. I chose uh, Abracadaver, which was, it had um, Bo Bridges in it. I love the episode. They both play doctors or medical students. The scene or the mo- the show opens up with uh, Bo Bridges' brother. Played by Tony Goldwyn, I think. Tony Goldwyn. So I got to, I got, unless you're going to say it, I beat you to it. I'm sorry. No, go for, go for Tony it. Gold, Tony Goldwyn played, uh, played on Ghost with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. And that's when I realized that fact, I was like, this is the point that this show has gotten to is we are actually mentioning and talking about the movie Ghost on the I Like a Spooky Horror podcast. I was about to say he's a character actor. You've seen him in a lot of things. But as soon as you mentioned that, I'm like, oh, that's right. Oh, he's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. He played a trick on his brother, Bo Bridges. His brother ended up having a heart attack and they had to save him. And um, he had a stroke or something to where one of his hands wasn't working. So it kind of skips through time. A couple of years later, they become successful or something. They take over the department, it seemed like. And Tony Goldwyn's character was like the head guy and his brother, Bo Bridges, was working for him. And he was all resentful and... He was working on some black magic stuff, which uh, kind of took a twist there. I didn't remember the whole episode. Well, that that was kind of a part of it. He was been working on some sort of medical serum, but his his quest took him. And I think they talked about it. His quest was to learn about the brain function after death. How long does a brain stay alive after death? Is there something after you died? You know, this kind of philosophical question that turned into this uh, scientific endeavor. And the the voodoo stuff, black magic stuff, was just one part of his discovery going all over the world trying to learn about this subject. Yeah, he went to Haiti and said that he learned about voodoo. And Yeah, I think he said that brain stays alive for a week after the heart dies. Um, they had talked about like how kids fall in the water and they live through being frozen. So he was, did you catch this? Did you guys catch this? So he's got the serum in his hand, like towards the end of it, or maybe even towards the middle. And you're seeing it from like the point of view of the brother that's still alive in his mind, but not like his body is not alive. He can't move or anything. He's got like the green serum. And I was like, that's reanimator serum. That's like an early or like that's the same color. It looks exactly like it. I mean, it's just a, shiny green serum glow in the dark i was like that's some reanimator serum like that's a cool throwback so when i was reading about the episode it talks about it on wikipedia based on the story dead right renamed for television to abracadaver what it would have been dead right on was i don't know much about tales from the crypt other than the show was there like comic books or there was so there you know um william h Gaines and the other people who wrote i think he was the predominant one there was, but so the one that you're talking about was based off a story from the Tales of the Crypt comic. So in the Tales of the Crypt show, all of those shows were based off different comic books that William H. Gaines wrote. So you had Haunt of Fear, you had Tales from the Crypt, you had, um, I can't believe that I don't have these. Out of all these notes I got, and I don't have all of those listed, but I'll find them. Just keep talking and I'll interrupt when I find them. I don't know. Just the part that really stuck with me was the ending. Well, before we get to that, I guess they play a trick on him. He becomes, has a stroke or something, can't use his hand. 
So when his brother takes over the clinic, he ends up getting back at him, playing a trick on him by injecting him with the serum stuff. And he thinks he's dead in there, kind of playing along with it, strapping him up on a meat hook. Well, they strapped him up, but they acted like they cut like a hole in his back and hung him up there. Well, like towards the end of the episode, they spend a quite a bit in the middle there of like playing the trick on him, making him think he's dead. And then at the end, you find out like all the students are in on it. He took the job at the college. It was just too good of money to pass up. Um, and he says like, oh, how fitting is it that it started here? The joke you played on me was here and now we're back. You know, and then they tell him the joke and he comes back to life. And then what happens? He has a heart attack and dies for real. <laughs> but he's, <laughs> did you see the CPR? I was like, that's like the worst CPR ever. <laughs> like this guy ain't going to live. Well, I just noticed the brothers cannot take a fucking joke. <laughs> like, you know, that I don't want to fucking be in that family because they're like, their jokes suck. I'm not, I'm not inviting them to our Halloween stuff. I'm no, nothing. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> well, you end up having a stroke or dying of a heart attack. Eh, fuck. Jesus. But that was the part that I really remembered when it came down to the end and his brother really died. That's what I put like in the reddit post trying to figure out what it was when the brother was like and the brain isn't or the feelings are not the first thing that goes it's the last as they're like sawn into him and he's screaming so me as a kid watching this already scared of death that just added to it and it has stuck with me forever like you're gonna be dead and they're gonna be opening up your brain yeah and they're going to be doing something to me or like cremation even or, oh, oh, how horrible. It just, it's still like thinking about it today is. Well, you know, as I was watching this episode, knowing that this was the one that you picked, Jason, I have to ask, do you think this is why you got into the medical field? No, I got into the medical field just out of like dumb luck. You know, I knew I kind of wanted to like do something medical. And then I was in high school and there was like a health occupations class. So I took that and then they're like, oh, you, you'll end up making like more money than a uh, minimum wage. And I'm like, really? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, but okay, I'll take a job. So you don't stay late after hours and goof around with bodies down to the morgue? No comment. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to incriminate yourself. No. So, um, I actually, one of my, one of the things I like about this episode the most where, um, the first reveal, what was Tony's character name? It was Carl was his name. And Mar Martin was Bo Bridges. I loved the reveal when we think at that point. Obviously, if you watch the whole episode, you learn that he's not dead. But when we find out that Carl's dead, before we realize it's a joke, the reveal of him being dead, because the camera, you know, the shots are all through his eyes and you hear him talking. And it's just like, you know, okay. And then finally at one point, and because Bo Bridges, his brother, is Martin, is not responding to the way he's talking. And he's up in the camera like he's up in his face. And you're like, this is odd. What's going on? And then the, the camera finally turns and it's a, you know, they recompose the shot. And you see that Carl's dead. He's sitting there. His eyes are wide open. His mouth is wide open. I thought that was a really cool way to do that. Which, of course, obviously, like you guys just said, he come to find out he wasn't dead. It was a serum that he was injected with. Yeah, and the reanimator stuff, the second I saw the serum, the second the episode started, I was looking at it, and I just had this, I felt reanimator. I was like, this is reanimator. And then when all the, the initial joke that they played on Martin in the very beginning, when all the dead bodies shot up, and it was all people dressed as zombies, I, I reanimator all the way. And then, of course, the green serum sold it. But actually, besides... uh. Besides the fact that I think this episode was like an absolute clinic 
as far as the perfect balance of horror and irony that I think is what made the Tales from the Crypt successful show. Probably the coolest part for me was at the very end, because, you know, the Tales from the Crypt always started with the Crypt Keeper doing an opening and then with him doing an outro. And this one at the outro, he's he's like dressed up as a doctor. He's getting ready to cut into somebody. And his last line is he's like, now open wide and say, and then he screams. Aah! And the Crypt Keeper scream. <laughs> oh, it, was, it was a great way to end the show. So my pick was My Brother's Keeper, Season 2, Episode 17. So it's about two brothers. They're Siamese twins. One's nice. One's an asshole. The one brother that's an asshole is, you know, alcoholic and likes his pills. And he's trying to talk the other brother into getting a surgery so that, that they can be separate and he can go party and kind of starts out with that. They're driving a Corvette or some kind of fast car and he can't get it going. The good brother can't get it driving and the other brother just kind of lambs on the gas and they take off and that's pretty much just the basis for the whole episode it's this brother trying to talk the good brother into getting this surgery that may or may not kill them right but he's kind of he kind of pushed him to a limit though we're forcing him to do it there these are only like 20 minutes 28 minute long episodes so maybe about a third of the way through they're at a at a bar and the nice brother is saying oh i'm ready to go and then he sees a girl that's reading next to him and strikes up a conversation, and she notices that they're connected, so she runs off um, while the one brother's dancing with another lady. She calls and apologizes and wants to date him, and she's over at the house, and the one brother's like having this kinky sex right next to him because <laughs> they're connected. She runs off, and the brother's whatever she is goes in the bathroom and is like, you got to sell it. So you find out that the brother is paying this girl to convince him to have this surgery. There's like 10 inches of skin that holds them together. They have all their own organs, but this 10 inches of skin, they share like the same blood supply. And it's, you know, it's a big tissue bundle of arteries and veins. And the doctor's like 50, 50 chance. And the one brother's <laughs> like 50% chance we die. Other 50% chance we live. You know, it's the whole glass half empty, glass half full kind of thing. See? <laughs> So towards the end, I think he proposes to the girl and finds out that, but then she comes back and is like, no, don't sign that paper. It's not real. I, I wasn't supposed to fall in love with you, but your brother paid me to get you to have this surgery. The bad brother is, is Eddie and Frank's the good brother and um, Frank's Timothy Stack and the it's his role. I think it's his, no, and Jonathan Stark is the other one. And actually, Jessica Harper, who is the lead in Suspiria, who's the main female in Suspiria, which I saw that. I was like, what? That's insane. That They're pulling people like that into this series. I mean, Bo Bridges. I mean, I have a list of uh, guest stars. No, he, he's right. Since our, because of our technical difficulties, we skipped right into talking about the episodes. We haven't even gotten to my two and a half pages on just the show alone. <laughs> so, yeah. I was like, that's awesome. Like, that's a big name. I mean, for me, like, that's a huge name to pull somebody like that. And you may not know her. You know, you may see her and she's aged. So uh, you may not recognize her at first. Suspiria is like Italian horror royalty. And to be in that, that'd be like Jamie Lee Curtis being in one of these, going over to Italy and being in something along those lines there. So Eddie kills Marie 
And then the good brother, Frank, starts drinking and taking all these pills. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, just trying to live and have fun. So they they wake up and they're in the hospital. The bad brother's premise for this is he can do whatever he wants because I can't go to the gas chamber. Because if they gas me, they're going to gas you. And no one's ever going to do that. If they put you in prison, they're going to put me in prison. They can't. There's no punishment because I'm attached to you. So, you know, it cuts to the passed out. They woke up. They're next to each other in bed. The police come in. He's like, you can't do anything. Oh, yeah, I killed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cop pulls the bed away and puts the handcuff on him. And he's like, it's, you know, that's the end of the episode. Other than he's like the good brother is now like, I bet under that, uh, uh, that white outfit there's a leather studded something being ready to come out so now he's the asshole because he's free now he kind of took from his brother there and this one and i had another one that i almost picked and i jason knew that one i mean, i don't remember the name of it but uh these were just two i remembered from growing up watching the show that i enjoyed well this one was kind of ruined for me because the whole time i was watching it like I was thinking to myself, I'm like, how'd they get out of the car? Like, <laughs> I want to see, see one of them climbing because they were in the car together. And then the next scene, it's like, boom, they're outside of the car standing there. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to see them get out of the car. And I'm also, I was sitting there wondering too. I was like, when it showed them connected at the hip, I'm like, how the fuck they get those pants on over that thing? Oh Lord. Are they like custom tailored pants? So my whole mind is like <laughs> thinking about that shit. The entire episode is, it was still a good episode. Great. We just lost the conjoined twin demograph also. <laughs> you know, th- this episode had a lot of, uh, almost three stooges kind of physical comedy. And this episode I thought really highlighted the comedy aspect of tales from the crypt. It was often tongue in cheek pun intended um, style of show. And I think this highlighted that. And oddly enough, this was this episode, my brother's keeper, uh, this aired in 1990 and was based off a story from shock suspense stories. Uh, it was featured in the top 10 Tales from the Crypt episodes. Oh, really? So out of all the episodes, this this made it into the top 10. But you were talking about Timothy Stack playing Frank the Good Brother. He was in a slew of uh, sitcoms. I remember him from Night Court because I'm a huge Night Court fan. He was in an episode of Night Court. And he's been in a bunch of movies too. But what's funny is he was in another feature film called My Brother's Keeper. The name of this episode is My Brother's Keeper. Now, the, this feature film had nothing to do with this episode because this it's a serious drama and it's about where a man and his HIV-positive twin, once again, twin, take on a company court, or I'm sorry, take a company to court over a life-saving bone marrow transplant. Something pretty serious, you know, night and day from this episode. But I thought it was interesting, the same same title. He was stuck in that typecasting. Yeah, right? <laughs> Did you guys, uh, Eddie, John Stark, you know what Eddie was in also, right? John Stark? Mm-mm. Mm. He was in Fright Night. He was Jerry Dandridge's Chris Seridan's, you know, the vampire. He was his like uh, watchman or butler. Oh, okay. And then he was also in House 2, the second story, which he kind of played the same character as he did in this episode. He's kind of the jerk. And then I always remember him from season five, episode one of Cheers, when Sam came back to the bar and they had Wayne, the bartender, and he was kind of like the arrogant prick and... They had to get him to leave so Sam could get his job back. Yeah, so he's been in a lot of stuff, too. So I got to jump in real quick back to Jason's. Sorry about that. Jason's was directed. So Jason's episode, he he covered Abracadaver. That was directed by Stephen Hopkins, who went on to direct things such as Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Reaping, 
and Predator 2, amongst a bunch of other stuff. So Brian's episode, My Brother's Keeper, was directed by Peter Seaman, who is also credited as the writer on Shrek the Third, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Caddyshack 2, and the Wild Wild West remake with, with uh, Will Smith. So the reason I bring that up is I thought it was interesting when I started looking to see what the different directors of these episodes did. It reflects in these episodes. The one Brian picked was more comedic. And then if you look at what the director did, he did more comedic movies. Jason's was a little more serious, a little more dark. And the same thing, the director of that did those movies. Uh, One thing I forgot to talk about was towards the end, the one brother's passed out. His girlfriend's, the other brother's girlfriend's dead. They're like laying on the floor and he dips his pen in his girlfriend's blood or whatever she was and signs in. I was like, oh, that's fucking perfect. (laughs) Like you said, Clint, just that little bit of comedy that, Maybe other people don't find funny, but I was fucking laughing. I was like, that's just perfect. All right. My episode is cut and dry. It's it's pretty quick and easy. And I tell you, the reason I chose this episode is because it has Morton Downey Jr. in it. And what's more 90s? What's more 1990s than Morton Downey Jr.? And if you're asking yourself, if you're listening to my voice going, who the fuck is Morton Downey Jr.? He was actually just like a 90s, late 80s, into the 90s personality. I mean, he had bit parts in different movies and stuff. But if you're a pro wrestling fan, you might know him most from WrestleMania Five when he was in uh, Piper's Pit with Rowdy Roddy Piper. And uh, he kept smoking and blowing smoke in Piper's face, and Roddy Piper hit him with the... Uh, the fire extinguisher, but kind of uh, Morton Downey Jr.'s gimmick, I guess. I don't know that I'm sure it was a gimmick. I don't know. Maybe it was the way he was for real, but everything he did, he was just this kind of jerk. He was just a dick to everybody. And he played the same character in my episode called Television Terror. This was a uh, season two, episode 16, aired in uh, 1990, and it was based off a story from The Haunt of Fear. And it's pretty cut and dry. This is just, um, it's about. A TV shock journalist gives an on-air tour of an eerie haunted house. And while he's in there, as the story unfolds, he finds out that it really is haunted. And it's a there was a woman who lived there, and she ran a boarding house, and she would kill all these men to collect her social security checks, and she would butcher them in the basement and hide their bodies in the walls. And there was a large number. I can't remember how many she had killed. 12 murders by Ada Ritter. Yeah, Ada Ritter, yep. And so, yeah, as as the story goes on, the poltergeist activity, you know, um, increases. The cameraman gets killed. And then ultimately, at the end, Ada Ritter makes herself, she appears and is trying to kill him. I can't remember now what weapon. It wasn't a chainsaw. Yeah, it was a it chainsaw. It was a chainsaw. She had a damn chainsaw and she's flinging around trying to kill him. And he's trying, he's on the mic because the camera's still live, even though the cameraman's been killed. So this is like live television. And he's like, get, get me out of here. Get me out of here. <laughs> Well, he was such a dick to his television crew that they just sat there and they just said, nope, you stay in there. The The network's calling, ringing the phone off the hook in the production <laughs> truck going, this is the best ratings this show ever had. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And it was odd because I think they sensed he was in danger and they wanted him to be because he was such a jerk. But at the same time, I don't think they fully realized that it was real. Like maybe they were thinking he had staged this. And then he winds up getting killed. Ada Ritter cuts him up, throws him out of the window, and he's just hanging there dead, and they're kind of all looking at him. The one uh, woman there who he was sleeping with said said the catch line. I can't remember what it was, but she was just basically like, oh, it was something like, well, I guess that made for good TV or something like that. 
Yeah, towards the beginning, he's like, don't think because I'm sleeping with you, something or other. And I think that just kind of pissed her off. And she's like, oh, okay, yeah. We can't get you out of there. The network said the ratings are too high. Keep keep doing what you're doing. (laughs) Meanwhile, he's getting... I laugh, though. ...carved up by a chainsaw-wielding psycho ghost. You say this one's, like, pretty straightforward, like, not heavy on the comedy. But at one point... (laughs) The lady says, who's got the camera? Because the the cameraman's hanging from the ceiling and you like see him and you see like Robert Downey Jr. Like scared. And she's like, who's got the camera? I'm just like, what the fuck? You said Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) Or yeah, no, (laughs) no, not Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Iron Man's hanging from the fucking ceiling. uh, You know what I'm talking about. I like the opening of the episode, though, where he's, like, up there on the stairs recording the intro to it. It had a very, like, Unsolved Mysteries vibe to it. It was kind of, that was fun. It, it made me think of a movie that uh, I, I put on a list that I want us to cover one of these days, and that's uh, Grave Encounters. Great film, and Grave Encounters Part 2. It's like a found footage thing, isn't it? It is, but it, and I'm not a huge found footage fan, but it's a really good fucking movie. I'll, I'll make you guys watch it whether you want to or not. I'll duct tape your <laughs> eyes open so you can see it. And you'll thank me when it's done. But it, it kind of had the same vibe as that, and this came out well before that. I got like a Geraldo Rivera vibe. I think they even like poked fun at him at one point. They're like, we don't want this to be like the Al Capone episode. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, keep doing what you're doing. This is boring. You got to step it up. This is turning into Capone's vault. Yeah. You guys remember that when we were kids? It was like a, I, I can't remember how long. It was like, a, I don't know, a 10 hour broadcast. It took forever and this big lead up and they find Capone's vault and they finally open it. And there's ain't a goddamn thing in there. Like some empty beer bottles or some shit. Good old Geraldo. Kind of going along with my theory about the directors and their styles carrying over. So this one was directed by Charlie Perkerny. I think I'm I think I'm saying that right. He's known for a lot of stunt work, and he did stunt work in Roadhouse, uh, Die Hard, and Demolition Man. And this this episode had a lot of physicality to it. It was tough because I almost wanted to choose from the first season, the second episode, and I forget the name of the episode, but oh, it was a was it all is quiet through the house? It was the Christmas one with the, the psycho Santa killer. Because I realized when I started looking for an episode to watch, and when we opened this show, Brian, you were like, come on, everybody's seen Tales from the Crypt. It's crazy how ingrained that song and the Crypt Keeper is in pop culture. Like, uh, so I'm, I'm a UPS driver. I work in the warehouse, but I deliver also. And when I'm out there on the road, I have a, a few songs that I just sing to myself if I'm out in the country to keep myself entertained. The Tales from a Crypt theme song is one of them. I'm just, da, 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 and I just over and over just keep myself entertained. But as I'm picking out an episode to watch and I'm going through all the seasons, I'm looking through all the episodes, I realized I never really watched a lot of Tales from the Crypt. I didn't have HBO. My, my grandparents did, so I, I would watch it when I go over there, but I didn't recognize barely any of these episodes. Oh well. So I've got some wa- I've got some watching to do. Yeah, I think you can find like the DVD set pretty cheap, or like we found these on YouTube. So yeah, they were all terrible quality. You could see them. I felt bad. The one I sent you guys was terrible quality, and then I did another search and I found like a like a crystal clear one. So I felt bad. I should have sent that, but I'm sure you guys had already watched it. I tried to blow them all up to fit the screen on my computer, and it was like, nah, shrink them back down and watch them. What are you going to do? You had a friend that had HBO, so I would go over to his house, and we'd watch Tales from the Crypt and Faces of Death and stuff that we probably should not have been watching at 10. 
but that's where I got it from. And that's where I remembered my episode from is from being younger. And I think the other one that I wanted to, that I almost chose, and I don't know if you guys had other episodes that you remember, but it was called the switch. And you remember that one, Jason, it was the old guy. Um, he's dating a younger woman and she's like, no, you're too old. So he pays to have this other guy's body, but by the end he's broke. So she's like, no, you're too poor. And it had a, Oh, how do you say that guy's name? You know, that was directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he was in it. Had William Hickey in it. Yeah, William Hickey and uh, Kelly Preston. Yeah, so I was like, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think he even appears on, like, the beginning of the episode. Like, with the Crypt Keeper. And it's Rick Rosevich who's the stud in it. And he's from Top Gun. Is one of his big things. He was in that. And You know what's crazy is all almost... The- all the episodes that we've talked about so far and that we chose to watch to rate, you know, individually, they're all from early on in the series. But I mean, this thing went on from what, June 10th, 1989 to July 19th, 1996. It went on for seven seasons and had a total of 93 episodes. And what I didn't know that I found out when I was researching all this stuff was the last season, it stopped being filmed in the States. It was uh, the last season was filmed in the United Kingdom. And so a lot of those stories had a British take or British characters in them, which makes sense because when I started researching an episode to watch, for whatever reason, I started, I I worked backwards and there was a couple that caught my eye that I watched. And then I was like, well, I might cover that one. Let's check out some other ones. And they were all British actors. There were some really good ones though. Yeah. If you scroll through all the episodes, it's kind of like a who's who of Hollywood. Michael J. Fox directed an episode. Richard Donner directed some. Tom Holland. Um, Schwarzenegger directed some. Just the whole cast of everybody that was in it is pretty big names, I would say. That from beginning to end, whether it was the who was acting in it, who directed it, who wrote it, who starred in it, you are going to recognize someone. Oh, my God. Look, there's Kelly Preston. Oh, my God. There's Michael J. Fox. Oh, my God. There's Arnold Schwarzenegger. The main team who put this on is a fucking powerhouse. The main cat or not cast. I'm sorry. The main team behind this show. You got Joel Silver, Die Hard, Matrix, Weird Science. You got Richard Donner, who Jason, you just mentioned. Goonies, the Omen series, Superman 2. You got Robert Zemeckis, Jaws, Back to the Future, Forrest Gump. You got my favorite, Walter Hill, Warriors, the Alien franchise, 48 Hours. David Giller, the Alien franchise, Money Pit. Danny Elfman, do I even need to say who the fuck Danny Elfman is? He did the theme song to it, too. Well, yeah, he was the musical. I guess I do need to say. So he's from Oingo Boingo, and he did, yeah, Beetlejuice, Nightmare Before Christmas. Of course, John Kazir, who did the voice. And then Kevin Yeager and his team. You know, and Kevin Yeager did the Nightmare on Elm Street makeup. He did the makeup for Trick or Treat 1986, just to mention a couple. And then, you know, created the puppet of the Crypt Keeper. So, I mean, the powerhouse team behind this, it's amazing to me that this show is not on anymore. Someone is sitting on the right somewhere. No, so that's what it is. Not sharing it with the world. When, when I met John Kazir, it was a question I asked him. I said, you know, all these old things are being rebooted and re, you know, and, and you know, restarted. I said, what's going on? And he said, basically, the rights reverted back to EC and EC retains the rights right now. And he didn't elaborate. And I didn't ask if someone wanted to do it. And they said no or anything like that. I've got no idea. I won't even speculate. All I know is he said, yeah, EC has the rights. I guess I will speculate to a point. The The way he said it made it sound like he's game. This is just me guessing. I'm not speaking for John Kazir. But the way he said that, I was I got the impression that if they called him today and said, 
bring bring your voice box, buddy. We're we're getting the band back together. He's like, let's do it. Or even that it's streaming anywhere. It's not streaming. It's not available on Blu-ray. A, a lot of them are on Tubi. A lot of them are, yeah. But you imagine the box set that somebody could put together with this? That'd be fucking... I'd buy it on Blu-ray or 4K or, I mean, I'd buy the damn thing. Not to mention you could toss the movies in there because, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows. But if you don't know and you're listening, it spawned two films. And actually, I just learned that it spawned three films. So the show spawned... What was the first one? Demon Knight. Bordello of Blood. And then the second one... Yeah, Bordello of Blood. But what I found out was... um, Weeks before starting prep on Demon Knight's intended follow-up, a psychological thriller called Dead Easy, Universal changed its mind, canceled Dead Easy, and had the creative team make Tales from the Crypt presents Bordello of Blood. So there was a film that was supposed to be made that we never saw. But this is, I never knew about a third. Apparently, it says the show spawned three films, Demon Knight, Bordello of Blood, which was to be Dead Easy, and a third film called Ritual. The film Ritual from 2002 was not produced as a Tales from the Crypt film, but is considered to be a third entry in the Tales series. And it was, it was directed by, I can't remember now, can't believe I don't have it written down with everything else that I have written down, but someone who had directed quite a few episodes on the show. Well, I think this, I had a blast with this episode. I mean, just fun picking three different things that were short. I think I talked to Jason one night. I was like, yeah, we should do like a, I think I said monsters first. And he's like, what's that? And I was like, you don't remember the syndicated TV show monsters? Oh man. I don't. And then they had tales from the dark side, which is like the creepiest fucking opening. I love that. To this day of any show, simple, but creepy. I was like, we should do this again with like another TV series. I think that'd be fun. I'm sure once I see the opening for monsters or something, I'll, it'll remember something, but yeah, just, you mean I got to pay more people to read the opening of our show? Jesus Christ. Get on it. I don't even, I don't even know who did the opening for monsters or Tales from the Dark Side. I remember the Tales from the Dark Side move, uh, music vividly. I don't remember how Monsters started, but I remember Monsters. Yeah, I don't remember either. So, look, I found my list. Jason, when we were discussing your episode, you asked about where did these come from. So I have the list. I found it. Obviously, these all came from the 1950s era EC comic series. There was The Haunt of Fear, The Vault of Horror, Crime Suspense Stories, Shock suspense stories, two-fisted tales, as well as, of course, Tales from the Crypt. And if you go and watch any one of these episodes, almost all of them, they kind of have that film noir, pulp fiction kind of gumshoe detective feel to them. And they've carried that over into these episodes. And that's because they were all based on stuff from that era. Yeah, they did a good job. Oh, now I want to watch more. I know. I, I wish we didn't only do three, but for time constraints, you know. Oh, time constraints. We can go on. Here, I'll help us. So as far as um, <laughs> as far as other spinoffs, so of course, I think you guys probably know this, but in 1993, a Saturday morning cartoon called Tales from the Crypt Keeper was spun off from the HBO series and produced for ABC. Do you guys remember that? Do I remember it? What do you think we've been watching the last month? Me and Little Miss. Oh, I've been okay, catching some okay. episodes of it. It's actually quite fun. Is it John Kassir again? Yeah, he, uh, he did the voice in all of this stuff. There's a lot of information here. Um, So that was in 1993, the Saturday morning cartoon. And then in 1999, the series was revived on CBS for an additional 13 episodes under the title New Tales from the Crypt. It looks like they, after they first started it, that they ultimately decided that it might fr- frighten youngsters. So instead, 
a show called Tales from the Crypt will frighten people. Weird. Well, yeah, right, right. So, okay, I'm gonna. In 1993, a Saturday morning cartoon called Tales from the Crypt Keeper was spun off from the HBO series, produced for ABC in the U.S. and in Canada. The violence of the primetime series was substantially toned down, and the gore emitted. Da, 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 da. In addition, the Crypt Keeper EC Comets mascots, the Vault Keeper and the Old Witch, also made frequent appearances often fighting with the Crypt Keeper for control of the show's hosting duties. So that had 26 episodes. And then in 1999, they renewed it for 13 more episodes. And then in 1996 to 1997, Secrets of the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House came out. This was a kid's game show, and it was featured on CBS. And the Crypt Keeper was the announcer of the show and would often break into the action with appropriate wisecracks. And the contestants competed in physical challenges challenges on a variety of elaborate haunted house sets in Universal Studios, Florida. How fucking awesome is that? I didn't know it existed. I would have loved to compete on that. Then there's more. Oh, yeah, we're not done. We got more. There, there's a lot more. They're going to forget what we rated or why we're rating what we're rating. <laughs> so in 2000, there was a radio series that came out. And um, several Tales from the Crypt radio shows were recorded for Scene Ear Theater, an online subsidiary of the Sci-Fi Channel, and were offered free as streaming real audio files on their website, and as well as for sale on audible.com. There were 13 episodes planned, and then it says with forthcoming episodes listed as 2BA, but I'm sorry, TBA, but only eight stories were recorded and seven of the eight shows were released on CD in 2002. Oh, you said you wanted to get to the ratings? Okay. Almost. I, <laughs> look, these are almost done. Well, this is, I guess, is when I get done with these next two things, I have a point. Maybe this will make sense. Two-Fisted Tales. In 1991, the Fox Television Network aired a pilot of Two-Fisted Tales, which was a spinoff based on the 1950s EC action comics. Fox passed on the pilot, and the Crypt Keeper segments were tacked on to, the, to three stories, and HBO ran them as Tales from the Crypt episodes. And lastly, lastly, I'm kidding, there's more. <laughs> so, Perversions of Science. After the original series ended, a spinoff called Perversions of Science premiered in June 1997 on HBO. And this was based on more science fiction instead of horror. The series was unsuccessful and lasted a short run, ending only a month after it had begun. Um, this iteration of the franchise featured a stylized female robot host in place of the Kip Keep. So they tried throughout time all these different iterations of this show. And they had so much subject matter to play off of from all the multiple comics from William Gaines that I read off. But there was a bunch of canceled reboots, too. M. Night Shyamalan was supposed to do a reboot. That got canceled. It didn't have the Crypt Keeper involved. And there was another one. Same thing. There was there was going to be another uh, series reboot for several major networks, but it didn't have the Crypt Keeper involved. So that's it. It didn't take off. Gotta have the Crypt Keeper. You can't have Tales from the Crypt without the Crypt Keeper. No. Hey, Jason. Mm. I'm done. It's been 40 years. <laughs> so what do you think do we want to rate these episodes oh wait hold on i found this one other thing i'm just kidding go ahead so who wants to have their episode rated first let's go in order so jason went first abracadabra jason you guys tell me your ratings first i want to i want to go last for my i gave it eight out of ten heart attacks all right by you clint this was Honestly, even more so than the one that I chose. This is my favorite out of the three that we watched. I'm glad that you you chose this. I gave it 10 Lovecraft references out of 10. 
And again, this 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 episode and the reason I gave it 10 out of 10 was I think it perfectly showcased the balance that Tales from the Crypt had as far as horror and kind of tongue in cheek, the irony and the way it played out and the reveals. A perfect episode. 10 out of 10. I think it was a nine out of 10, you know, it, it was really good. Uh, nine out of 10 fake Jamaican accents. <laughs> what do you mean, man? <laughs> this ain't no fake accent. There goes everybody listening to, in, listening to us in Jamaica. It still scares the shit out of me though. Like with the whole mortality thing and like, uh, and when I'm on my deathbed, when I'm 90 something, hopefully. I'm going to remember that shit and be like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> just, just cut my head off so I don't. Oh, you'll feel it, though. I'll just make it quick. Yeah. Just... <laughs> so so what do you guys think? My brother's keeper. What do you think, Clint? So this was my least favorite out of the three. No, it, <laughs> And um, I mean, it's nothing personal, but I think the comedy was forced. And it's kind of like why a lot of a lot of people don't like Return of the Living Dead Part 2. The comedy didn't arise out of funny situations or funny subject matter. They threw the comedy in your face. They tried really hard, I thought, to be comical. Um, I didn't like his his um, flip at the end where, you know, he had the the line that his, his dickhead brother always used. I thought that was weird and out of place. Um, yeah, so I went um, four wisecracks out of ten. I did not enjoy this episode. I'm very... I'm very surprised that it made it to the top 10 Tales from the Crypt episodes. I thought it was better than that. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, you knew what was going to happen when he started joking about like, oh, what are they going to do to me? Oh, well, they're going to have the surgery and you're going to go to prison. And it was good, though. I liked it. I remember it. I'm going to give it a seven four-legged pants out of 10. But it was pretty good. I liked it. Well, this was my favorite one, but I mean, I picked it. So, and you know, my taste in movies, that's probably why we'll never cover <laughs> a gre- the greasy strangler on this movie. Cause then I don't have to listen to you guys talk for an hour and a half about how much you hated it. And I enjoyed it. So I gave it a nine out of 10 inches of skin. You really took my, my braiding personal, didn't you? Nah, Jesus sorry. Christ. Everything I pick, you hate. Remember the burning? I was like, Clint's going to love this. And you hated it. I was like, man. I gave it a five out of ten. That's middle of the road. Nine nine inches of skin, huh? Yeah, nine inches of skin. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Brian sounds hopeful. Jason sounds aroused, and I'm getting the fuck out of here. So what you got, Clint? Yours was last. Mine was last. So my episode to remind you all after I got done giving you everything you could think of for the history of the Tales from the Crypt, which actually I skipped some stuff, was Television Terror, and it had Morton Downey Jr. I gave this one eight boarding house victims out of ten. What this episode lacked, I thought, was the irony, was the twist, was the tongue-in-cheek. That's why I used the word straightforward when I was reviewing it, talking about it, was it didn't have that tales from the crypt magic into it but the story i loved i thought it was a great story i thought it was acted well i love the gore and i loved the you know actually had some scary kind of jump scares in it so yeah pretty cool episode but it could have used a little more of the comedy and a little more it could have used a little more comedy from brian's episode and it could have used a little more irony from jason's episode so what about you jason what did you give it i didn't like it very much I, I, I hate to talk shit, but it was my least favorite <laughs> of the three we watched. And it's it just no no real reason. There was a couple, like the jump scare with the, the cameraman. That was fun. The opening was fun. But I'm going to give it a 
a, a six, I don't know, hanging reporters from the window. You took my rating, damn it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I gave it a six also. There was a couple funny parts of it. And you, I think people have figured out that I enjoy humor and maybe places that it's not meant to be at. I'm just that sick and twisted that I find humor in most things. So, yeah, I gave it a six out of ten hanging Hortons because that was the guy's name. <laughs> That's what, yeah, hanging host is. But, I mean, it was fun. there was a couple times that I was like, oh, that was funny. That was hilarious. I'm going to block you both on social media. <laughs> no, you know what? It's I actually agree with you guys, like I say, because... When I when I rated all these, I also like I said I kept Tales from the Crypt in mind, and this was this was out of the three the least one. It was the least Tales from the Crypt Tales from the Crypt episode out of the three that we chose. It did it, it lacked that little magical spark to be Tales from the Crypt. But if it was a a story on its own and then a feature length film, so the story really had time to kind of unfold then I think it would have been better. I was honestly Googling to see if uh, Morton Downey Jr. and Robert Downey Jr. were related. They're not. You're welcome. I, I Googled it for you. You think it would have been better with Robert Downey Jr. in it? Maybe. Maybe not. Depends what he was high on at the time. Who knows? I was going to say 1990. <laughs> he, he might never remember 1990. <laughs> uh, no. a hell of a ride. Well, now that we've raided the three episodes of Tales from the Crypt, I almost said raided the movie. Hey, you put all three of them together. It was about the about the the length of a feature length, or about time length of a feature length movie. Hey, I real real quick. There are so many episodes in Tales from the Crypt. Like I said, there's like seven seasons plus all the spinoffs. Send us a message in our social media. Hell, email us if you want to be anonymous. Well, I guess it won't be anonymous, but no one else will know you emailed us, so you can still maintain your coolness and go. I'm not talking to those nerds. Let us know what your favorite Tales from the Crypt episode is, because again, I I realize I haven't seen a lot of these. And I'm going to go through and watch them, whether I get referred to them or not. But I'd, I'd love to get some of our audience's referrals and, and check out what they're into. It'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be fun. We can go back and find more episodes that Clint doesn't like that I enjoy. <laughs> well, he's really upset about this. <laughs> maybe if maybe if you would have picked a better episode like Jason did, you wouldn't have to worry about this. You know, I ship you stuff all the time. Now I got to ship you some Kleenex. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You, you don't know how much fun I have making you watch stuff that you hate. One of my joys in life. <laughs> I'm going to start sending you some stuff to see. You're going to go, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, now that we're rated our three episodes of Tales from the Crypt, let's hear from our podcast network. Maybe Clint likes them, the PFPN. They got so much stuff, you're bound to like something that's on there. Even if you don't like the I Like a Spooky Horror podcast, there's 30 other shows on the network that you can listen to and enjoy. Yeah, the PFPN's been cooler to me than you guys. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So now that we've heard from our podcast network, let's get to our question. 
So this episode, we got a question from our friend Jason Bollinger, Tech of the Killer Podcast and Cracktastic Plastic. And if you think we're nerds, go listen to Cracktastic Plastic. <laughs> Them toy collectors are nerds, which is fine. What do you think of that? Uh, his apartment, Clint, when we went there. It needed more horror, but I was amazed. Uh, I I was a Transformers kid growing up, and that guy had Transformers wall to wall to wall. And uh, I think I said to him, I said, do you realize how much money you have here? And he said, I don't even like to think about it. And I'm just thinking, all right, go ahead. I'll think about it. I'm just kind of counting. Huge collection. Jason asked us, what was our favorite Halloween costume? Got anything, Underwood? This is so lame. I... I'm so old. I don't remember shit. I don't remember what I wore when I was a kid. I don't think I've seen pictures of me like in Halloween costumes like you would see. I was probably abused as a child and neglected. (laughs) I probably didn't go trick-or-treating. No, I don't know. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. I don't know. But yeah, I don't I don't remember. I remember getting dress up as an adult. Not really. I remember getting, you know, like the classic costumes like the. I think I was He-Man one year. That's the only thing I can really remember. And it was one of the, you know, the plastic suits that you put on and the fake plastic mask that kind of hurt when it was like sharp around the edges. <laughs> kind of hurt. Those fuckers <laughs> drew blood, man. That's all I can really remember. I'm pretty lame. I'm going to have to like find out where all my childhood pictures went, you know, I was in some insane asylum and they just didn't tell me or something. And I blocked that all out. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm well, and I kind of feel like Clint running a haunted house dressed up a different character every night of the week, probably for the five years that he ran the haunted house. No, it was more than five years, a lot more than five years. And um, I had one, two, three, four, five. I had four main characters that I was at, at the corpse barn. And so I thought about that when, when this question was asked. I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk about my character Hal or Zeke or Cletus or Hazard the Clown. And then I almost went with Hazard the Clown because Hazard the Clown was the first full head mask that I made myself, sculpted and and made from start to finish and painted and everything. It's not the coolest thing in the world, but I thought for my first go at it and teach myself how to do it, it was all right. And I dressed up for that as actual Halloween one year also. And then this year I was going to dress up as Jason, but I figured it was way too scary. And then I was going to dress up as Brian. I was like, no, because I don't want to get in trouble for standing too close to kids. So I went ahead... (laughs) I went ahead and um, I chose my favorite costume when I was a kid. I got a picture of it somewhere. I'll find it and show you. I was, I don't know, 10 years old, 8 years old, 9, somewhere in that era. The local college where I grew up, it's now, it was a community college and then now it's an accredited college. But they had a bunch of uh, people from their makeup department, from their theater group, come to, the, the. we have two big malls in the area. And what we did. They're still open, but no one goes there anymore. But anyway, uh, and so they all came, and you could show up, and for free, I think it was. I'd have to ask my mom, but I'm pretty sure it was for free. They would do you up and make them, and it was for them to get practice working with people and working with kids. So, sorry, long story. Um, I got done up as Freddy Krueger, and it was the first time I had latex put on my face, and then they took napkins and ripped it into shreds, put it on the latex, then covered it more with latex to give me that burn look. And then they, you know, did the paint job and everything. And I had the fedora and I had a Freddy Krueger t-shirt that I got from Video Watch Video Store. <laughs> and I had, of course, the Nightmare on Elm Street glove. And but I So I didn't have a sweater, but I had this jean jacket. And there's this picture of me as posing like this, you know, with the claw <laughs> over my face. And I remember I did not want to come home that night. You know, come on, it's time to come home. Like, no, I want to go run around some more. So yeah, Freddy Krueger from 1989, maybe, was my favorite costume. 
So I'm kind of like Jason. I don't remember dressing up as a child. I know I did. I just don't remember any of my costumes. But uh, I did do uh, Jason Voorhees for a friend's party. A couple years ago, I was Jason, Sackhead Jason. That was pretty fun. Tiffany was like a camp counselor. Just had like a Camp Crystal Lake and like a BB gun. And uh, then this year, Finley, my four-year-old, is Mal from The Descendants. If you have kids, you know what that is. And Tiffany's Maleficent from The Descendants and all the Disney stuff. And I'm like, Finley, what can I be? And she's like, a hot dog. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You guys are dressing up like as a couple costume and I'm going to be a hot dog. So we go to Walmart and of course they don't have any hot dogs. I waited too long. So she's like, here, you can be a banana. So on Saturday for trick-or-treating downtown, I'm a banana. And I had like 50 kids say, oh, look, that's a banana. I don't know if it's because I was an adult and they just thought it was funny like that. I'm fucking rocking around as a banana. And then uh, yesterday I took Halloween off. So I surprised Finley, a friend of ours, had a hot dog costume. And it says one size fits most, but I think it was a kid's (laughs) costume. Like I I saw the picture. Small. So I... I show up at Finley's school, um, preschool, and uh, I'm kind of hiding like behind where she can't see me. And I walk up and she's like pulling on her teacher's sleeve. Look, look, my dad's a hot dog. (laughs) And she's like yelling at all her friends like my dad's a hot dog. Look. (laughs) So we're the hot dog costume. We're walking down the street and there's like a street that is pretty busy, you know, on Halloween. Um, So we're walking down the street and two people that I know, one lady yells, that's the best wiener I've seen all night, (laughs) like across the street at me. And then our friend, uh, Kyle, he yells, uh, look at them buns. Can I have a taste? (laughs) I'm just like, oh, Lord, there is kids around. Come on. But again, like all these little kids, look, he's a hot dog. There's a house that's got like a walkthrough kind of scary thing, you know, and uh, I walk up there and the guy's like, oh, you're a hot dog. And I was like, yeah, I'm the scariest thing on this street. I'm processed mystery meat. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> so all of my memories of having fun is just dressing up as an adult. I was going to say, if you're, all your memories are from last night. Yeah, yeah. This week. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the picture the second I saw you dressed up as a hot dog and I started and you've been a Rocky Horror so many times this year. I started singing, you're a hot dog, Frankenfurter, and just kept singing (laughs) that over in my head. I've only seen Rocky Horror three times this year in person. Oh, I'm tired now. It's hard being a big wiener. So now that we've talked about our costumes. (laughs) (laughs) He only gets it once a year so. I was I was gonna I was gonna say something. I'm not. I'll keep that one to myself. Sorry. Go ahead. So now that we've answered uh, Jason Bollinger's question, what do we have to anything? Anybody? Anybody got anything? Jason. I'm gonna let Brian answer for me because I <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not. Yeah. I answered for you last time and you didn't even show up for anything. Oh God, dude. Yeah, it was it was it was something else this last weekend. I don't think I'm doing anything. I don't know. <laughs> no pretty lame i'm already getting ready for con season next year they're making some announcements and i'm i'm making plans yeah that's it what about you clint oh well i take that back we are talking about days of the dead Quit trampling on my time quit trampling on my time shut the fuck up it's my time i'm just kidding go ahead i don't want to talk no uh we're talking about uh days of the dead in chicago here in a few weeks but that'll be like a you know game time decision type thing like if we're gonna go my wife has depending wanted, on the weather and all that 
Well, my wife has wanted to meet. Uh, well, she doesn't know his name, Doug Bradley. She just mm. she she wants to meet Pinhead. <laughs> so he's going to be in Chicago here in a few weeks at a convention, and I was like, that's. That was kind of my end with her. Like, hey, maybe we could go to this and you can meet Pinhead. And then she wanted to know how much the tickets were and all this crap. So she always thinks money when it comes to cons, but you can't think that way. You just got to go. Not if you're going to enjoy yourself. You can't, no. So I'm hoping we go, but I'm okay if we don't go. But that's kind of the goal. I'm going to just go up for probably a Saturday just to go up and come right back home later that night. And that's it. I'm done, I think. Anything, Clint? Ooh, uh, well, we'll see. By the time this episode airs, I am officially done with the 2022 convention season. As soon as I get done talking here, I'm going to be mapping out my 2023 convention season. I'm going to start over the next couple of days getting that mapped out. Hopefully by the time this airs, I mentioned it last episode, but I work for UPS. It's my day job. Peak season's coming up, so I'm really always uber busy working a lot of extra hours during this time. But I'm also, uh, I've got a writing project that I am going to work on over these winter months. So I'm hoping to have that started here soon. I've got some, this ties along with the past few episodes. I'm like, oh, I've got some cool news, but I can't tell you yet. And it sucks that I still can't tell you. I'm not stringing you along. These things just take time, but I've been working working on um, fostering some relationships, I guess is the best way to put it. Now that the convention season's over, I'm really hoping to take some time and just foster those, really get some stuff moving that I want to get moving that I would love to share with you all. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I think my first convention without setting up my 2023 year yet, I, I do have two books so far and that's not until April. Getting ready to work, right? When I start writing and I start working a bunch of hours at UPS, I usually start drinking. So that, that might happen too. You know. Maybe if you're drunk enough, you'll like something that I pick. I don't know if I can be. I don't know if there's. I'll definitely be love be above the legal alcohol blood level limit. Not enough whiskey in Michigan for that, huh? I'm like, oh look, two guys connected at the ass with a bunch of flesh. This is funny. <laughs> I'm kind of like Clan. I mean, I don't really have anything going on. We'll be a uh, be the weekend after Cracktastic Plastic. Um, which is a toy show that our friends at uh, the Cracktastic Plastic Show put on. I'll be going there, slinging some Ink Mare stuff, promoting the podcast, maybe some movies at the Orpheum coming up. I'm not sure any of those will be horror-related. I knew, though, they have a show on the 18th. Um, it's like the 40th anniversary of their last movie they were slated to show. Um, it's called The Zent Cinder. I might be able to make that. Um got my buddy tad's birthday party which would be the same weekend that this episode would be coming out so that'd be fun to talk about and yeah i got to see what kind of crazy movies yeah he shows us (laughs) thank you but yeah other than that just kind of clint and i had talked about me working on maybe some sponsorship material and getting it out some of the bigger names seeing if we can find a sponsor for the show just trying to not watch a bunch of hallmark movies because that's what tiffany is already doing I'd say, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of like you. Put stuff away. Maybe watch some of the movies that I've had sealed for the last two years. That's probably a good idea. I'm still stuck in a Hallmark movie. I threw up in my mouth a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get the taste. Trying to get the taste out. <sighs> yeah, no, I don't really have much going on either. Be kind of a nice break. Do you feel like this is a nice break for you guys? Like after Halloween ends? We get a little bit of a break. You know what I do to a point? It's kind of funny because uh, I've been on vacation. This is my second week of vacation now. And uh, you know, Melissa was down in Louisville for the first week. And uh, she came home. And while she was gone, I mean, I you know just did what we always do. But she wasn't here. So I did a little bit more than I did stuff that she would 
would chip in on while she's here. So she's like, you know, what have you been working on? I was like, oh, well, you know, I cleaned the floors and I cleaned the stovetop and I, you know, I kind of like did some deep cleaning and she was looking at me funny and I'm like, what? And she was like, uh, she goes, I'm just so used to you saying, oh, I've been working on this shirt design or I've been working on this decal or whatever. And I didn't mention any of that. Yeah, it was a break from that stuff. And it may sound stupid, but I mean, I do that stuff all the time where it was kind of nice. It's been nice to turn that off for a week or so and just wipe the banister down with a sandy wipe <laughs> and vacuum the carpet, you know, and I just finish the leaves and, you know, just kind of like some normal stuff. But Well, now that we've enjoyed Tales from the Crypt, we've talked about why we're poor and the news and Clint's cleaning schedule. <laughs> I think that's all we got. I'm going to wash and wax the truck tomorrow. Someone come over and help Ooh. me out. If you help me cut my time down, I'll help you do yours too. So don't forget to check us out on our socials. I like it. Spooky horror podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. I wish it was still Halloween. I want it to be Halloween still. <laughs> <laughs> no evil laugh because he's sad. Hey, what's wrong with you, man? Show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya?